The evil that men do lands on. We gonna bang your head! You are now listening to the Music Mania podcast, a hard-hitting show featuring all things hard rock and heavy metal. And now here are your hosts, the twins of chaos, Clint Switzer and Paul Lagana. We are very pleased here on the Music Mania Podcast to bring on this week's guest. It is Derek Davis, the voice of Babylon AD, one of my favorite bands of all time, actually. Derek, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going out there this summer? It's going great, man. It's pretty hot out here in California, like the rest of the, uh, the rest of the states. Oh, absolutely. I mean, can't complain too much, though. Great times out there uh, on the West Coast. I know you guys have been uh, all around this summer, though. I mean, you guys have been to Europe. You guys have uh, just did bang your head out in Germany a couple weeks ago. What a whirlwind the summer has to has to have been for you guys, though. But man, what a, some great shows! And I mean, you got to just be having a blast. Oh yeah, we're definitely having a blast. It's uh, you know, it's just good to uh, be out on stage with you know a lot of people and playing with a lot of good bands. It's uh, having all the fans come out. It's it's really uh, it's really cool. Well, it, it's it's the shows have been great. Everyone great reviews. I see bang your head, just a, a massive crowd out there. And what what is it? It is got to be a testament to that era of music. I mean, the the, the late '80s and the scene in, in L.A. and everything about that. I mean, isn't that just a testament to how powerful that scene was? That here we are, you know, tw- you know, twenty seven, eight years later, and people are, are coming out and clamoring to see this stuff. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's been like that for a few, about four or five years, like that. Now it seems like everybody kind of maybe had kids and got married and you know now they go back to what they you know who they were and what what they know you know um i don't think nowadays music has the longevity of of the stuff that you know we were doing in the 80s and the the early 90s you know what i mean but the the fan base i don't think is the same type of stuff now i know talking to younger people that uh they're just not really into bands they're just into like a song or two every once in a while though you know what i mean it's just it's a totally different uh type of thing you know so the fans uh, they, they really still stay with you and they you know they latch onto a band that they heard when they were in high school and the band is still playing you know they're, they're still into it so it's, it's really cool it's, it's good for us anyways <laughs> right Derek, talk a little bit about uh, when you guys actually formed uh, back in 88 uh, San Francisco I believe is where you guys are, are out of um, Actually, how important was it at that time to get to L.A. where the scene at that time was uh, uh, really rocking? Well, what happened for us is, uh, you know, we formed the band and we started playing around the, the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. And we played the Stone, the Omni, the Keystone, uh, Palo Alto, Keystone, Berkeley. Uh, we, every, every place that was out here, we, we played for so many times. And we became like the big draw in the, the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And we really didn't have anywhere else to go except for try to expand and get down to L.A., you know. And um, after, you know, a couple of years of doing that and, and having demo tapes and everything, having management, uh, we started doing smaller, like, West Coast tours and things like that. And uh, moved to Los Angeles, I think it was on a Wednesday. And I think it was in October on a Wednesday, we moved to Los Angeles and, and Friday night, Clive Davis called us up and said, "Hey, I want to see you guys at a showcase tomorrow." And we, I mean, we literally, literally only had half of our stuff there. You know, so we, you know, we couldn't turn turn it down, so they booked us a studio, and we we went in the studio, and uh, 
uh, did a showcase for him, and uh, we did about seven songs. And as soon as we were done, he just jumped up and said, "Welcome to the family, boys." And we were like, you know, we were stunned, man, because we'd only been in LA for like three days, you know. So it was yes. it was, it, it was a good good way to start our Hollywood life. You know what I mean? That's the way we started down there. Well, what a, what a time it was back then. I mean, it'll never be re- replicated in, in rock history or in no. any music scene. We'll never top that. I mean, for those that didn't experience it, those that weren't around, I mean, can you just talk about what it was like just, um, you know, not only playing playing the clubs, I mean, you know, you got the the Rainbow, the Roxy, the Whiskey, all those clubs, uh-huh. but but just, just as a person living there and, and hanging out and all the shows you could go see, the, the flyers up on all the all the wall on the on the street yeah. corners. Well, how, just ex- explain explain just how, how it was back then and, your, and kind of your... It was, uh, you know, it, it, was, um, it was a whirlwind, man. Every single damn day was, uh, you, you could... You, like you said, you go down to the Sunset Strip, and there was there was hundreds of bands, and there was thousands of people. I mean, in the middle of the street, even on Fridays and Saturday nights on, on uh, the Sunset Strip, you know. And we lived uh, right off of Hollywood Boulevard, so we could literally we would just walk down to the Rainbow and uh, walk down to the you know Roxy or whatever the hell we were going to go to that night. And it got to a point after a couple of years, we didn't even go out on Friday and Saturdays because it was just there was just too many people, you know. Um, you know, if we weren't digging, uh, we'd stay home, you know, or party with some party on a roof at our, at our apartment or something like that. But then we'd go out like on Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays when there was a little bit of less amount of people down there because it was, it was mayhem down there. Um, but we had, we had a blast, man. It was, um, it was crazy. It, it really was. But, uh, uh you know, it, it's just really hard to explain that for, for people, the fans nowadays, uh, they don't have that kind of, you know, scene, you know, and, and I remember when it stopped, uh, I think it was about 90, 91, right. all of a sudden the city ordinance, uh, of Los Angeles, they put up, uh, they, they, they put a law into effect that said that no more bands could put flyers up anywhere. And if you were caught with a flyer or something like that, it was a $500 fine. So all of a sudden, you know, like I said, there was hundreds of bands up and down. They're always putting up their flyers. They're always playing somewhere and everything. And as soon as that law went into effect, man, within six months, it just became like the normal Hollywood strip. You know what I mean? There wasn't thousands of people down there anymore. Now there were just hundreds. You know, so it was it was just just one little law just you know really kind of killed the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. Crazy times, and I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, going going up there now, you know, there's still shows. You still go down there. Uh, the only thing, my only complaint is there's no In-N-Out Burger close enough. You got to go like a mile down the street from the whiskey to get to get anything to eat afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, hey, hey, great times though. And I tell you, you know, we were, we were talking about your your debut, Paul and I, huge fans. I mean, the, the 1989 Babylon AD debut, right? It, crazy man. I, it opened up to critically acclaimed uh, all over, actually. So just uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, Derek, uh, that self-titled album and uh, how that changed uh, your guys. Well, you know, we'd, we'd been doing demo tapes for, for about a year or so. And, uh, of course, you know, after you get a record deal, you're, you're pretty much, uh, pretty much they tell you what to do, you know. And, uh, um so we we probably wrote about 20 25 songs in a, in about a year and a half period and of course uh, it all comes down to what Clive Davis liked so um you know we we had a little bit of say so but mainly if he didn't like a song then it wasn't going to be on the record you know and we got a producer Simon Hanhart we picked him because he did uh, 
Killer Dwarfs, and he worked with UFO, and a bunch of other bands that we we really like. You know, we really like the sound. You know that uh, that he produced. So we went in the studio. And we probably went about four or five different recording studios down there. I can't remember all of them, but Cherokee and a few others, the Grinder. Um, anyways, we recorded about four or five different uh, places. So that that was a pretty cool experience to uh, to see all the different types of studios. We'd be one, that one for the drums and maybe bass, you know. And then we'd go to another one for guitars and and you know we'd had block out time. We probably spent five months on the record. It was a it was a long grueling process actually. And something that we thought was going to take like two months, you know what I mean? But uh, Simon was from the um, the school of like uh, Mutt Lang, you know, where everything's, you're playing, everything's got to be like spot on perfect. And we weren't really those kind of guys. We were kind of more like a Guns N' Roses, like a loose type of a gang of guys, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> that it, Early Aerosmith, you know what I mean? We, we like that kind of sound, but, but he really tightened us up. So there was a little bit of conflict here and there every once in a while with them just because of that. You know, but all in all, when the record was done, we were really happy. We we're like, okay, this is what he was trying to achieve, make us a little bit, you know, fatter and tighter or something as players, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, it, it, it was a, it was a fun experience, man, but uh, but it was it was hard work, I'll tell you that. It was it was a lot of hard work and there was a lot of a uh, lot of stress, you know, because we wanted the record, record to come out like in a certain amount of at a time like after we got a record deal and it just seemed like it was taking forever but when you're young you know eight months goes by and you think you know you think the whole damn world is you know yeah it's just seems it just seems too long you know what i mean but it realistically nowadays when i make a record nowadays i would probably spend two years making a damn record nowadays so and, um, yeah. so how are you going to get in the studio and how much how much you're going to perform and then of course you got to put all the publicity behind it the marketing and all that other kind of stuff well, you guys, you guys had three really big hits from that. Three uh, videos that MTV it was all over. I mean, Bango the Bells, Kid Goes Wild, Hammer Swings Down. I mean, huge for the band. You had Sam Kinison in uh, kind of the outro to um, Kid Goes Wild. That song was on the RoboCop soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, RoboCop Two. Yeah. I mean, just just the things had to have just changed for you guys at that point. Like, hey, you know, you go in there just a hungry band like everyone else. You come out with a, an album that went gold and, and some MTV hits. I mean, that things had to have just changed for you guys a lot around that time. Well, you know, we, we did a lot of touring too, man. That first album, we must have we we toured all the way till ninety about mid ninety one before we went in the studio. I think we did seven tours. You know, they were all stateside tours, but still, when you go out three months at a time, come back home for about three weeks or a month, go back out again, you know. Uh, and, and you know, Aerosmith, you know, tried their best to even break us even, you know, try to break us even bigger, you know. But I think what happened is we were, we were out there for like about a year and a half, almost two years touring, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, after a while, you just want to start making your next album, you know. And getting into that, but uh, it was, it, I tell you what, though, it was fun having uh, Sam Kennison um, do do his uh, do his thing on on the uh, Kid Goes Wild. And I could tell you a little bit about that. We were in the recording studio real late one night, about three o'clock in the morning, and, and Sam was there uh, uh, recording one of his records at the same same time. I can't remember which record it was, but he was recording the rock record. And so he came over and asked me if I'd sing backups on uh, I think it was a Rolling Stone song. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, under my thumb, I think it was. You do like the background shouts or something, you know. Right. So I went over there and I, I did my part. And I said, "Hey, man, you want you want to sing on our record?" And he goes, "Well, well I, you know, I really can't sing, dude." And I go, "What?" I go, "Just do your stick, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll write it up for you." And he goes, "Okay." 
so he says, I'll be over there at four. I said, okay, this is like four in the morning, you know. So uh, we finish up the track, you know, and everything. And I kind of write down what I think I'd like him to say, like, you know. And he comes over there in the studio, and, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty lit, you know. We're, we're all <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty fucked up. So <laughs> he, goes, he looks at, he, he listens to the song twice, like, and just closes his eyes and listens to it, you know, in the studio. And he's going, oh, man, this, this thing rocks, man, this thing rocks. All right, yeah, I'm going to put something to it. And he looks at, looks at what I had down, and he goes, I think this 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 might work. So uh, we play the song, we sh- and you know, point him out to where, you know, it's good part for him to come in at. You know, this long breakdown, and he he probably only said one line of everything I had, but the ad lib was just like off the hook. You know, ah, you fucking cat. <laughs> you know, everything he did was just kind of like ad lib. You know what I mean? And he just and he just looked crazy. You know, <laughs> he was just screaming his head off. You know, and it took like two takes. You know, yeah. it was like the second one. That's it. You know, so uh, that, that was that was really cool to see him do that, man. And then when we'd go out on the road, if he was playing somewhere, you know, uh, he'd show up at our gig, then he'd get up on stage and he'd, he'd do his sticks, you know, or introduce the band, you know. Oh, that's so awesome! It was, pretty, it was pretty cool, man. He was, he was a cool cat. Absolutely, and uh, he epitomized that scene back then. And oh yeah, man, he lived it. I I, I don't want to tell you guys all the stories because uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, a little bit dangerous, but but uh, he 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 basically lived like a rock star more than anybody I've ever met. That's for sure. God, I would have loved to have met him. Did some of the stuff that I've never seen other people do. I tell you that much. I'm not like to sleep for my days, but absolutely and gone way too soon. By the way. Oh yeah, man. Shit, that guy had that guy had loads of talent. He was a funny son of a bitch, man. Because you, you, you talk about the scene kind of ending in 91. Uh, by 92, that album comes out, and it's and, and grunge has a hit, and the invasion's on. What do you think? Um, do you think that, that you guys talked about touring after the debut, but do you think that that album maybe came out a year or two too late, and that the, kind of the momentum was gone I, at that point? I, I think what happened, we, we've been, I mean, we've been told by different friends of ours, and we're two years behind us, you know, and if we, we would have just had both those albums come out a year or two ahead of time. We would, we would have been right there. You know what I mean? We would have been right up there with the similar million records probably, you know. I, I don't know for a fact, but I, I, I really think so because that's when the scene was really hit, you know. We, we just seemed like we were like six months to a year and a half behind no matter what we did. You know what I mean? By the time 92 rolled around, I mean, everybody was in a rock band, it seemed like, you know, and everybody was playing, uh, you know, hard rock, but, but you know, I, I don't know. It just got homogenized, you know. So when Nirvana came along and basically killed everybody's career, you know, I mean, it was a good run for probably, I'd say, from 84, 85, maybe, to, like, 91, 92. You know? Yeah. So that music just changes, you know? What, what are you going to do? You know, you, you, you roll with it and you try to be a Nirvana, which you're not, where you say, well, you know, that's it for me, or where you say, you know, I'm just going to stick to my guns and keep doing what I do. Well, and in a lot of these bands, just still, the fact that they're still out there, and so many. I mean, you could just name not just not just the the heavy hitters. I mean, I, you know, the Motley Crue's, Bon Jovi's. Of course, Motley Crue just retired, but those bands were have been big all the while. I mean, you still got the White Snakes. You know, so many bands out there still performing. You got you guys. I mean, gosh, Bang Tango. Just so, I mean, so many bands out there still doing the thing. And I mean, for you guys, how important is it to the legacy of of, of Babylon AD that in 2014 you guys did reform with original members? And, uh, to, to have this run, uh, how important is that to the legacy of, of, of the band, Derek? Because it's uh, you guys are, are out doing the thing. I mean, that's got to be huge for you guys to have done this. Well, you know, it, it, as long as it's still fun, then there's no reason to stop. 
You know what I mean? I mean, we, we still get a blast getting up on stage. You know what I mean? And, and partying at night after the gigs and shit like that. We we do the same damn thing we did when we were 22 years old. So, and, and we're still, you know, it feels like you're living the dream. Just, you know, a little bit less, but at the same time, you, you know, our bodies can't take the punishment that we used to you know, divvy out to each other you know, back in the day. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, it's good. To, it's good to kind of like uh, play play a couple gigs a month. You know what I mean? And that's good for all of us. We're like, okay, good. You know, because it's it's more exciting. And the gigs are the gigs are more a little bit more prestigious because we're playing with all these other bands all the time on these festival circuits and things like that. You know, um, we you know we, we probably play about maybe 10, 15, 20 times a year depending on uh, and we and we kind of select which ones we want to do. Sometimes we just pass on stuff. You know because. Uh, I don't know, for one reason or another, we just don't feel like we want to travel, you know, for a certain part of the country for a 45-minute set or something like that. And other times I go, hey, that was a cool gig we played two years ago. Let's go do that festival again, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, man. Every, everybody still has the same enthusiasm. I, You know, we're, we're making a new record right now. We're working on a new record. And that'll be out uh, late next year, probably around October or November. So, you know... As long as it's fun, man, we're going to keep on doing it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, before you go, Derek, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, your background in the uh, blues uh, rock as well. Uh, in 05, you and uh, Jamie released an album uh, called American Blues Box. Just talk a little bit about that and your uh, your uh, blues background. Well, uh, what happened with that, you know, is, uh, I, I, you know, you, you I'm the type of person I always need a need a uh, something in front of me that's going to give me some kind of um, you know some kind of rush or whatever that's something different you know so um, I started playing slide guitar you know and I listened to a lot of Elmore James and Muddy Waters and things like that Johnny Winter and shit you know so I called up Jamie and said hey man I'm writing some blues to tunes you you want to want to do some you know some blues rock kind of stuff and he's like yeah so. Uh, we put the band together and we, we had a great harmonica player, man, and a, a great bass player that played with a lot of cats. Both those guys played with a lot of, a lot of heavy, heavy cats, the, the blues cats. And we started, we, you know, we recorded a record, you know, and then we, and we didn't play a lot of gigs. We probably played about 50 gigs, but they were mainly over in the Bay Area and things like that, you know, and it was, it was, it was fun run, you know what I mean? And the album came out really good and everybody really, really, really liked it, you know? But, uh, it, it's hard to get all the marketing and stuff. When you're doing things yourself, it's hard to get all that the publicity and the marketing and all that other kind of stuff, you know? And then, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but uh, last year I put out a, um, a, a with a band called Moonshine. Have you guys heard about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Right, we were just yeah. reading about that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, now, that was that was something that we, we actually recorded at Eddie Van Halen's house. like about Yeah, 5150, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that came out really cool, man. And I had the demos all these years just sitting on them. You know what I mean? A full re- full albums. I mean, we got looked at by about three record companies, and then the band just we just in fighting. You know, we just it just kind of killed itself. So even though Babylon AD was still going on, I was still I was doing different stuff too. You know what I mean? So I was I was playing with these guys, um, Greg DeFalco and uh, you know a bunch of other cats that are really good musicians, man. You know, um, so we put together. We basically recorded the damn thing for free over at Eddie's house. You know, right. Um, but it, 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 and it came out great, you know, but the band broke up, you know, and, and those guys, a couple of the guys started another band that was kind of similar to Moonshine, but it really wasn't. 
And I had the demos, so I called Craig a couple of years ago, you know, and I said, hey, man, I got these demos, man. And everyone that's ever heard them before, like friends of mine or cousins or just people that have heard the stuff or seen Moonshine, saw Moonshine back in the day, like 98, 97, 96, that kind of stuff, was always like, man, when are you going to release release that record? Because they, we had demos that we gave to a lot of different people, you know? So one day I was sitting in my recording studio and I popped in some of the demos and I went, gosh, damn, man, these things sound great. You know, I was like, fuck, I forgot about all these songs. You know, it's been almost 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just kind of polished them up, man, and, and uh, we, we put it out. And uh, it, I tell you what, it, it, it's still selling. That was about a year and a half ago. It's still selling really well. And a lot of people want us to go on tour, and a lot of people uh, want us to do something with it. But all the guys, you know, most of the guys are in L.A., a couple of guys are in um, San Diego, and, and I'm up here in the Bay Area. We're all kind of... Maybe if something presented itself that was really big, we'd do it. You know what I mean? But, sure. Uh, you know, and and, and, by, and time goes by. And now since, since since that record, I've been working on a soul record. You know what I mean? So now now that's where my vision is right now. I'm working on this like it's, it's soul slash rock, kind of like an Isley Brothers thing. You know what I mean? With guitar, oh, yeah. but at the same time, kind of soulful. Well, so yeah. now I'm working on that. You know what I mean? So I'm always trying to do something a little bit different. Just finding time to work, get all these projects. Guys, you can go to uh, BabylonAD.com to check out uh, the dates coming up for Babylon AD. You're going to be doing the Monsters of Rock cruise coming up. I know it's not your yeah. first rodeo with that. I'm hope, hoping nobody uh, goes overboard during that uh, you know, tube of fun. That'll be awesome. And, uh, of course, the Rock and Skull Festival in Joliet, Illinois. That is going to be a huge festival coming up. Um, big festival out there. You guys always doing it, man. And, Derek, you uh, always out there doing your thing. Um, keep it up. And we just can't thank you enough for, uh, for the time today man it's just been a pleasure and you got, got to get uh, Babylon AD or one, of your, or one of your projects here to Kansas City where we are we'll uh, come say hi in person man we got to make that happen sounds good man thanks for having me hey on Derek there. man we can't awesome. thank you enough thanks a lot appreciate it Derek okay brothers thank you very much man